Welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. I was so excited when the choir got through, I was ready to preach then, and then they, they're just messing with me, and then they keep, you know, sending up, you know, good soloists and piano player, Miss Gail playing. Man, y'all have an incredible piano player, and then Miss Judy singing. Brother Rick singing in the choir. It was awesome. Did a great job. Um, I got a praise report real quick to let you know. Uh, a lot of people have been asking about my mom, and I appreciate y'all praying for her. Uh, I have got good news. Uh, she is home. Um, that's an answer to prayer. Amen. Thank you. Um, they did a CAT scan and uh, blood work and all that, so we don't know all the results until... She's going to go see her doctor uh, tomorrow. We'll find out what's going on, what caused all that. So, but uh, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support, encouragement, and um, thank you, God, for answering prayer and being good to us. Uh, on a side note, uh, your pastor, I've been thinking of ways I could get him back um, <laughs> for what he did to me today. And um, I, I, if you don't know, if you were a guest, whatever you weren't here, um, so a week ago, the pastor calls me up and says, hey, uh, can you uh, run this 5K we're having on church after, on uh, Sunday after church, and uh, I think I can get you, you know, in front of everybody to, you know, tell them about Jesus and stuff like that. Can, can you run? So he threw that Jesus, you know, make sure, kind of like a guilt trip to make me run it. And... Um, so, could you do it? You know, you can run it and, uh, you know, tell them about Jesus stuff. And I said, well, Pastor, I haven't ran a marathon in like five years. I mean, I haven't run. I, all I've been doing is riding a horse. And so he's been doing the running and, you know, working cows and hauling hay and building fence. I, I, I haven't been like running. That, there's a difference, you know. And uh, he said, oh, it's only a 5K. You can do it. And so I ran one mile for this deal, Okay because that's all I had time for. I was practicing, getting ready for the AQHA World Show. And so I ran one mile, and I was telling my wife the whole time, I said, this is not going to be good. And so um, sure enough, we, we get there today. On the way, we're getting out of the car. He's like, so, so what's your goal? What, what's your goal today? You know, what, do you, what do you want to run it in and stuff? I said, my goal is to finish. <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 really. Like, like what's your goal? What, you know, you, you're trying to run like a... 10-minute mile, 9, 8-minute mile. I said, I'm not kidding. My, my goal is to finish the race. That's, that's my goal. And so uh, when we got through, uh, he tells me, he goes, he has this app, tells you know how we placed and stuff like that. And he said, hey, you got first place in your age division. I said, take a picture of that. I'm going to send it to my wife. So <laughs> I sent it to my wife. I sent it to her and I said, hey, honey, you know what race I was doing today? I said, I won my age division. She goes, shut up. I go, no, no, I did. I, I really did. She goes, no, you did not. I said, yeah. She go, I said, but there, there's only two of us. <laughs> so in my, in my age bracket. But I, I, I did beat the other guy. I, I don't even know who he was, but, but I beat him. That's, that's amazing. So, uh, so anyway, uh, we got to tell him about Jesus and uh, so that was a good thing, and uh, so hopefully we'll see some results down the line or even in heaven. We'll get to the other side. So, um, but my wife, she's awesome. Uh, we, we've been married now. This will be 
uh, coming up in January will be 20 years. We'll be celebrating our 20-year anniversary. And because we got started late. You know, I didn't get married until I was 33 years old. So uh, when we got married, uh, you know, I, I appreciate having a wife, you know, because I was single for so long. And, you know, I'd go to church after church and be by myself and be single and be lonely. And, you know, like, God, please, would you answer my prayer? I, I, I don't want to be single. I want to be married. And so finally God answered that prayer. You know, I'm from Texas. Uh, my wife's from Florida, and we met in Ohio. And uh, so that's how we met. And uh, we met at church. And that was a God thing. And so I appreciate her. And so when we had our 10-year anniversary, I wanted to celebrate it right. I wanted to do it right, you know. And so uh, we, I took her. We went uh, snow skiing in Colorado. And so we were out there, and it was just me and her, you know. We went and snow skied for the day, came back. Uh, we took her to a nice restaurant, you know. And so, I mean, like, with has real silverware and stuff, you know. And uh, so we're, we get through with the meal, and so we go out, we're walking down, they had those little shops all down the thing, you know, and so there is a shop, and they had one of those, uh, it was a chocolate store, had every kind of chocolate you can possibly imagine in this store, and every kind of candy. Well, my wife loves chocolate. So I thought, guys, I thought I'll score some points. So I said, hey, honey, you want to go in this chocolate store, get something for you? you know, whatever you want. She goes, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go in there, see. So we go in there, and I mean, everything you could possibly imagine, they have it. All kinds of candy, all kinds of chocolate, also. So she goes to the right, I go to the left. There is, the reason I went to the left, because in the back corner, there was a guy back there making caramel apples. I mean, hot, hot, right off the, and I'm talking about them big green granny sour apples, you know, and he's dipping them in there. And then he's got some caramel apples on steroids. He's putting some, some of them he's got like, he's putting Oreo cookies on. He's putting nuts on and all kinds of stuff, M&Ms. You, you, whatever you wanted on it, he had it on there. And he's putting them up. I mean, it's hot and they're dripping. It's just right there on that wax paper and stuff. I'm like, man, I want one of those. He said, okay. He said, you going to eat it now? I said, yes, I am. He said, well, let me slice it up for you. So he had one of them slices. And it, boom, eight pieces right there. He puts it in a box, hands it to me. I said, thank you. And so on top of that, I go around the corner, go to the cash register to pay. My wife's still looking around stuff, so I'm taking my time. I'm letting her just do whatever she wants to. While she's doing it, they have right there one of them refrigerators with all kinds of chocolate in it. This is where the good stuff is. So they had truffles, all kinds of truffles. So I'm like, yeah, give me two of them, one of them. Give me another one of those. So I'm, I'm racking up stuff, and they had scraps left over from the caramel apples. I said, give me about 10 of them scraps. So I've got my bag of stuff here, okay? My wife, she finishes, comes around, has nothing in her hands, nothing. Now I'm feeling guilty. She comes around. I said, honey, you, 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 aren't you going to get something? She goes, yeah, I think I'll, and then in the refrigerator thing, she said, I just think I'll have that little that chocolate ball right there. It, it wasn't a little chocolate ball. It looked like a softball. It, it was this big. No, I'm not kidding. It was this big. And, it, and it, had, it was like that thick of chocolate, and inside was peanut butter. So it was just this gigantic peanut butter Reese's cup thing that just like, like mushroom. It, and so she says, yeah, I'll, just, I'll have that. I said, that, that's it? Oh, yeah, that's it. That's all I need. 
funny. I said, well, they got caramel apples back there. You want caramel apples, any kind of thing you want? Oh, no, no, this is good. This is all I want right here. I go, well, they got truffles. You want some, you want some truffles? No, 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 this is just all I want. I said, well, they got some scraps. You want, you want some scraps? No, 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 this, this is it. This is it, really. I go, okay. I said, ring us up. So he rung us up. We go outside. We're right, I mean, right around this corner of the shop there, they had this fireplace, and it's a, a really cool fireplace with benches and stuff. And right beside that fireplace, right there was a creek running through it. Just, I mean, it was beautiful. All of a sudden, it started snowing, like light snow, not heavy snow. So it's like we're in Disney World movie, Disneyland, whatever. And so it's starting to, one of the Hallmark movies, you know, and it's starting to kind of snow, snow right there on us. So she gets her big old chocolate ball out, takes one bite, and starts wrapping it back up. And I'm like, honey... Was it not any good? Is it okay? Oh, yes, it's just, it's just rich. It's rich. She said, I, I, I'm gonna take, it's going to take me a while. I might, it might take a week to eat this, or maybe two weeks. I go, okay. I have one of them green caramel apples right there. I'm, it's melting on my fingers. It's warm. It's hot. We're in the snow fireplace right there. Mm, it's just like I'm licking it. It is so good. And that green sour apple... And then that sweet caramel. So how many of y'all going to go get a caramel apple after church tonight? Yep. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, man, this is good. And it's crunching. It's like, you know. And she goes, well, is your caramel apple good? I said, oh, yeah, it's really good. And I finished my one slice on that deal. And she goes, can I have, have one of them? And I'm like, all of a sudden, I go into this defense mode. <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, Okay, and I take, I only have eight of them. I just ate one, I'm down to seven. I take it and I go, here you go, and I give it to her, and I take another one. I'm thinking, okay, that appeased her. I start eating, mm, she's going, mmm, this is good. I go, I know it is, isn't it? And so I eat it, she goes, can I have another one? Uh, now I'm like, what, what, what are you? You know, and guys, y'all don't look at me, ladies. Don't look at me judgmental and stuff like that. Because you know, you, you do this all the time. You might not have been a caramel apple, but it'd be like at the drive-thru. Fast food, your wife's going to get like just a chicken sandwich because she's on a diet. She wants a grilled chicken sandwich. You're like, you want some fries? No, I'm on a diet. I don't want any fries. You go, okay, I want, I want a large fry. And so then you go around, and once she, start, she starts eating out of your fries, right? And you're like, hey, I, I would have bought you some fries. All you had to do is say, yeah, I'd have bought you two. You want two deals of fries? I would have bought you two large fries. But no, you didn't want him. But now you're going to eat my fries? N no, nobody? Just me? I'm the only one that goes to it? You know you, you do, right? Uh, li listen, so that, I'm like, are, are you kidding me? And so now, you know what I do? Now I am like throwing these caramel apples down. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not even enjoying it anymore. I am just like, hope. You know, because I know she's going to get another one. Why are y'all looking at me that way? Yeah, because you do the same thing. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. I was not cheerful with my wife. That was our 20, I mean our 10 year anniversary. I should have been like, 
hey, honey, you, you want my car? Here, you can have my caramel apple, and not only that, I'll go get you five more. That's what I should have done. You know, and that's what the Bible's talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 and 5. And, and he says this, verse 1, in 2 Corinthians 9, 1, he says, there's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. And that he's talking to the believers in, about the believers in Jerusalem. He says, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. God wants us to be a cheerful giver, a generous giver. You say, why in the world are you talking about this right now tonight? You know why? Because Jesus talked more about giving than he did about heaven and hell combined. So if it's big on Jesus' agenda, it needs to be big on ours. And listen, just because there's some jokers on TV that call themselves preachers or whatever, and they say stuff wrong, they say stuff that's incorrect, it's not out of the Bible, that doesn't mean that we need to you know, stay away from the issue and not talk about it. I'm going to tell you something. God has blessed me and my family. And, and as a result of that, I want to I bless you. I want you to have an awesome year. Listen, there's a lot of people in this world freaking out because we got a recession coming around the corner if we're not already in one. And people are worried, what are we going to do? How are we going to make the bills? How are we going to do this? I'm just going to tell you, my God is big enough to take care of it all. And he's going to take care of my family. And just like he would take care of mine, he's going to take care of yours. And so I want you to not be stressed out during this time that's coming up. I want you to be blessed. And I want you to be taken care of. I was telling the pastor today that my, my number one gift is evangelism. That's my number one. My number two gift, or number two spiritual gift is giving. I have a heart for giving. And... I, I never had preached this message before. Ne didn't have a message on giving. And my pastor asked me to preach at my home church. And I said, I, I don't even have a message on giving. He said, you need to, get, you need to preach on, on this. He said, because this is one of your gifts. So I preached it, and after I preached it, he said, you need to be preaching this in every church you go to all across the United States. And I said, but it is hard to do that at a revival. Because when I'm doing a revival, we're trying to get lost people to come in, and I don't want lost people to think, Hey, we're all about the money because, you know, they show up one time out of, you know, 50 years and they've never been to church. And, and then the pastor accidentally preaches on giving that day. And they think, well, that's all they ever preach on. Just so you know, that's not all we ever preach on. If this is the first time you've been here in a long time. But I want you to know this. You need to hear this today because it'll bless you and it'll bless your family. Okay? Like it did mine. And by the way, uh, I have no dog in this race. Okay? You know, you know I'm not on staff at this church, you say, well, you're just doing it because you're trying to get your love offering. Hey, listen, if that's what you are worried about, that's what you think, please don't give our ministry a dime, okay? I'm glad they've already taken up the offering tonight for our, our ministry, so I, I don't even have to worry about y'all wondering, you know, am I doing it for the offering? If you think that, don't give me a dime, please. God's going to take care of me. You're not my source. God is my source, okay? So, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look and see what the Bible says, all right? Before we do, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I ask you bless it, anoint it, speak to hearts, change lives, encourage families. And God, thank you that you are our source. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, okay? 
And in verse 1, he's writing to the church in Corinth about a gift that they had promised to give the believers in Jerusalem. You say, why were they giving the believers a gift in Jerusalem? Okay, look real quick with me in verse 1. He says this, There's no need for me to write to you about this service to the Lord's people. That's referring to the believers in Jerusalem. He said, So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift you'd promised. Then it'll be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. First of all, generous giving is over and above your tithe. Okay? Generous giving is. This is a gift that the church at Corinth is giving to the church in Jerusalem. You say, why were they giving the church in Jerusalem some money? Because they were in a famine in that area. They were in a drought. There were no jobs, no money, nothing. So they were, they were suffering. But the church in Corinth, they were doing awesome. Why? Because they were in the capital. They were, they were the seaport. They were right there. So, I mean, business was moving. Things were shaking. Things were happening. So they had money. Church in Jerusalem didn't have it. So they decided as a church, hey, we're going to give a generous gift to these people and help them in this time that they're hurting. And, and, and it's, it was over and above their tithe. So it wasn't to the church at Corinth, their own church. It was over and above their tithe to the church at Jerusalem. Generous giving is over and above your tithe. You say, but wait, Ronnie... You're talking about tithe. I'm not so sure about what you mean about that. And just to make sure we're on the same page about what the tithe is, go with me to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. This is God speaking so we understand what the tithe is. He says this. This is God. He said, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Verse 9, he said, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Hey, uh, you think our nation is not under a curse right now? I'm going to tell you something. We, our nation is under a curse because our whole nation is robbing God. And I'm going to tell you more specifically, our churches are robbing God. They're stealing from God. All right, just to let you know, I'm not making this stuff up. Um, I wanted to know, just personally, so I did a survey myself, not from some Gallup poll, not somewhere else, just, you know, I'm in different churches all across the country, all across the nation, so I went to three churches consecutively, three different churches, and I asked the finance secretary, I said, hey, I'm trying to do something, I need some information for my sermon, and I'm not calling anybody out in your church or anything like that, I just need to know what percentage of your church members tithe. Okay, just tie 10% off the top. Do you know what I found out in those three churches? In those three different churches, here's what I found out. That they only had 30%, only 30% of the entire congregation had even given a dime. I'm not even talking about like a dollar. I'm not talking about a tithe, like a full tithe. I'm talking about even a dime in the last three months of their church three churches in a row and on top of that you ready for this two of the churches each had a staff member not tithing and one church had two staff members not tithing do you know what I told the pastors I said hey those staff members that are not tithing you need to give them a chance to repent if they don't repent of their sin and start tithing you need to fire them you may tell you why because if we can't trust them 
If they, if they can't even trust God with their own money, how in the world can we trust them with God's money? So that, their tails need to be fired is what needs to happen. He goes on and says this. He says, verse 10, bring the whole tithe, that's 10% off the top, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there will not be enough room to store it. Do you realize this is the only time in the Bible that God says to test him? Did you realize that? He says, you bring the whole tithe, 10% off the top of your income to the storehouse and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. But did you also see? He says, your tithes and offerings. Offerings was over and above the tithe. That's what opened the floodgates of heaven and poured out so much you, you said you can't handle it. He said, but what, what, what do you mean? He said, listen, verse 11. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. He said, but Ronnie, I don't have a garden. I don't have a tomato plant on my place. What, what is he talking about preventing our fruit from dropping from its vines and all that? Do you want me to put it in some modern day language for you? How about this? If you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and he says your tithes and offerings, he says, I will prevent your car from breaking down, says the Lord Almighty. I'll prevent your AC from going out, says the Lord Almighty. I'll prevent health problem after health problem so you won't have to pay doctor after doctor for all the stuff that's going on, says the Lord Almighty. How about that for modern day time? Okay? He said testing. Do, do you realize that God, he doesn't lie. You, he says, test. I've done it. Guess what? He's never broken his promise to me. I'm going to tell you what, I gave my life to Christ when I was eight years old. And when I gave my life to Christ, um, my dad uh, worked in a construction company, a plumbing, uh, commercial and uh, residential. And so uh, he ran the business for his brother. And so as an eight-year-old boy, he'd have me come in, sweep the shop stuff. I'd sweep the shop for the whole day, get two bucks. Guess what? As a Christian, eight years old, two dollars, ten percent, guess what that is? Twenty cents. As an eight-year-old boy, I'm putting 20 cents in the offering plate when it comes by because that's my tithe. I did that my whole life, and I started working when I was 12 or 13, hoeing peanuts out in Oklahoma, and rows and rows of peanuts, and I'd get paid for that. I'd 10% off the top. I worked at Pizza Hut, Winn-Dixie. I worked on bull ranches. I uh, built fence. I've done all kinds of work, road construction, worked at a funeral uh, parlor, uh, did all done some all kinds of stuff everywhere I've been always 10% off the top tied wasn't a question boom done and God had always taken care of me always throughout my whole life when I was in seminary I was reading this and God just spoke to me and it was the first time the lights came on for me because he says uh, would you back that up there on that where he says in verse um, it's Verse 8. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, verse 8. He says, Will a mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But I ask, how are we robbing you? He says, In tithes and offerings. Now, 
for the first time in my life, I, I, I understood it wasn't just the tithe, the 10% off the top. It was also offerings. And I thought, I've never done that before. And so the Lord just impressed on me. And so I made a commitment to the Lord when I was 20, 21, somewhere around there. And I said, Lord, from here on out, I'm going to give you 15% off the top minimum, minimum from here on out. And I'm going to tell you all what I did. When I did that that year, that year God doubled my income in one year. Doubled in one, from going from 10% to 15%. And you're talking about a seminary student that makes no money. And God doubled it in one year. And every year since then, me and then after, even after I got married, we have increased. And sometimes we give 17%. Sometimes we give 20%. Sometimes we give 16%. But we have given minimum 15% off the top from here on out. And I'm going to tell you something. God has increased our income every single year. I have tested him, and he has proved faithful. So you can do whatever you want to. I'm just telling you, me and my house, that's what we're doing. Because his word said it. He said to test him. I've done it. He's come through for us, and he's taken care of. And I'm going to tell you something else, too. A lot of y'all don't have to deal with this. See, we, we go and we go preach and, you know, we don't know what we're going to get. So we might get a love offering, we might not. Somebody might take care of us, they might not. But I'm going to tell you this. COVID hit, we went from income to zero income the entire year. Churches shut down. So guess what? They weren't doing outreaches. But let me tell you something about my God. My God took care of me and my family when I did not have one church to preach in. I, I still, to this day, people ask me how we survived. I, I can't, I don't know. I do not know how we went from no income to paying the bills all year long during COVID when we're shut down and we couldn't preach. I'm just telling you, that's just God. You can say whatever you want to. I've tested him and he's come through. And he will come through for you and your family. If you want to, that's up to you. Le Leviticus 27.30 says this, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil, fruit from the trees, it belongs to God. It is holy to the Lord. Your tithe money is not to be used for family vacations. It's not to be used for school tuition. It's not to be used to buy more toys. It is the Lord's. Listen, I'm going to tell you, I don't want that 10% in my house. I want it out of my house because it is not mine, it is God's. I heard um, Pastor Robert Morse use this illustration. And I, I, I just, I, I loved it, so I'm going to use this to, so you can get the, the picture of what I'm talking about. Let, let's say, Pastor, uh, you, you have uh, cars, one of them breaks down. Pastor comes to me and he says, hey, uh, Ronnie, one, one of our cars broke down. It has to be in the shop all week. I know you got an old truck. I was wondering, could, you, could we borrow your truck while my car is in the shop? And I say, no problem. Here's the keys. Take it. Use it wherever you need. So he takes my truck. Uses it all week. 2000 Dodge. Diesel. Okay. He has it all week. Comes back to me. What if pastor says this? Ronnie, my wife and I, we have prayed about this. We have really sought the Lord. And we really feel led by the Lord 
to give you the keys to this truck. We, we, we've prayed about it. We, we've really sought the Lord on it. And we, we feel led to give you the keys to this truck. Is he giving me the keys to my own truck? No. That is my truck. He can pray about it all he wants to, do whatever he wants. That is my truck. I just gave him the keys to let him borrow while his is in the shop. No. Now, what if he did this? What if he came to me and said, hey, Ron, listen, we appreciate you letting you know, us borrow the keys to your truck um, while our car's in the shop. So because of that, here's what I want to do for you. Uh, I'm filling your truck up with a tank of diesel. And I'm putting new tires on your truck. Uh, I noticed it needed a paint job, so I'm going to have it painted and uh, washed and have it detailed, and I'm going to give you keys back to your truck. Now he's doing something. See, because before, that's my truck. He can pray about all he wants to, but that's my truck. And when we look at the tithe that way, it's the same way it is with the tithe. You can pray all you want to about it all day long. What, what, do I feel led to give 10% to the Lord and all that? That's God's money. That 10% off the top, off of everything. Your side money, your side hustle that you got going on, whatever you do and all that. Every single income coming in. 10% off the top, that belongs to the Lord. Now, when we look at tithe that way, the tithe is the beginning. It is the launching pad of our giving. It's not the end. It's the beginning of our giving, of being a generous giver, like the Word of God says. That's what the Bible teaches. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of y'all are saying, Ronnie, I don't know what you're talking about. Ronnie, that's, that's Old Testament stuff. Now, listen. See, it's willingly giving. You, you, you can do whatever you want to. I'm telling you, you cannot do it, grudgingly do it. That's not what God wants. God wants you to willingly give it to him. Not because you have to, but because you get to. That's the way I should have been with my wife in the caramel apple. I should have, like, honey, here, you can have my entire apple, and let me go get you two, three, four, five more, whatever you want. That's what I should have done. And that's the way we're to be with God, with his money. We're to give it willingly. Some of you go, well, that's Old Testament. We're in New Testament now. Let me tell you something. You, you don't like what I'm saying? Okay. You don't like the Old Testament? Okay, Mr. Mean Man. Mr. Upset. Man, you want me to give you some New Testament? I got some New Testament. I don't even know where that's coming from. <laughs> I, sometimes I just slip in and start talking like that. I don't know why. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 says this. This is Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament. He said, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Paul didn't say just get by with giving 10%. He said excel in the grace of giving. That wasn't New Testament enough for you? You want a little non-New Testament? I got some more New Testament. How about Jesus? Jesus good enough? Matthew, I don't know, it just comes out. Matthew 23, 23. This is Jesus speaking. He says this. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices 
your mint, your dill, your cumin. But you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He said you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Jesus didn't say, oh, no, don't tithe anymore. Jesus said, no, you should have been doing that and practicing justice, mercy, and faithfulness. He said, no, you should have done both. So you can say all you want to about it being Old Testament. There's your New Testament right there for you. He said, well, you know, and I've, I've had this quoted wrong all the time, and you, and you probably get this a lot too. People quote the Bible wrong. Start, I don't know, sometimes they quote... Andy Griffith and Ernest Tubbs. I don't know who they quote. They quote all kinds of people saying stuff. They act like it's biblical and it's not biblical and stuff. But I get this one quoted right. Here it is. You ready for this one? Oh, well, you know, Bible says that money's root of all evil. That's what the Bible says. Money's root of all evil. No, the Bible doesn't say that. You're going to quote something, quote it right. You know what the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10? It says this. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. I'm going to tell you something. Money can be used for good, or it can be used for evil. It's not money in itself. It's the love or the worship of money that's the issue. And, and I'm just going to tell you this. If you're a follower of Christ, you show me your checkbook, I'll show you where you are spiritually. Pop that checkbook out there and let me see it. Because I'm going to tell you this, you can say all day long, well, I go to church, you know, four times a week, and I do this, and I do that. No, show me your checkbook. Your checkbook reveals whether you have a heart for God or not. It reveals whether you're selfish, whether, you're co whether you covet, it reveals, or whether you love God. You say, oh, you can't be judgmental. No, I didn't, I didn't say that. Jesus said it. Because here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 34. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus said, show me your money, I'll show you where your heart is. Where does your money go? That's where your heart is. That's what he said. So, the other thing about generous giving is it's this. It's extravagant. It's generous. Did you see where he says in verse 6? He said, you sow generously, you'll reap generously. It's extravagant giving. Man, I hear all the time people bragging about how big a giver that Warren Buffett is and Bill Gates and stuff. Oh, they're just big givers. Do you want me to tell you about some extravagant giving? How about in the Bible? How about King David? You want to talk about an extravagant giver? Do you know if it was in today's money, today's economy, when he gave money to build the temple of the Lord, do you know how much David, King David built, uh, gave to build the temple? In today's money, $21 billion to build the temple, God's house. $21 billion. That's extravagant. You want, you want to talk about another extravagant giver? How about his son, King Solomon? By the way, that's a whole other sermon that we can talk about, about the son learning from the father how to give. If your kids are not givers, it's probably because you're not. You didn't teach them to give. King Solomon, when he became king, do, do you know what was required for him when he became king, what he was supposed to do? He was supposed to sacrifice one bull to the Lord as an offering. You know what King Solomon, when he became king, what he did? He didn't sacrifice one bull. He didn't sacrifice ten bulls. He didn't sacrifice a hundred bulls. King Solomon, when he became king, sacrificed 
1,000 bulls to the Lord. Do you know what happened as a result of his sacrifice, his offering that he gave to God? God came to him that night in a dream. You know what God said to him? Hey, Solomon, um, I want to give you whatever you ask for. Whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. What did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. So what did God say? God said, uh, Solomon, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom. But now I'm going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you fame, fortune, everything, as long as you obey me and a long life. Extravagance. He said, but Ronnie, I'm not wealthy like King David. I'm not wealthy like King Solomon, so I can't give extravagant gifts. You want to talk about an extravagant gift in the Bible? Jesus and his disciples were in the temple, and they were watching. Jesus was watching people give. I find that very interesting. That's a whole other sermon right there, too. Jesus is watching this widow. This widow goes up, puts two mites. You know what that's basically? That's like a penny. Puts two mites in the offering. All these other rich people making a big deal, how much money they're giving and all that kind of stuff. She puts two mites, which is a penny, in the offering. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? Hey, boys, y'all pay attention to this right here. Just want y'all to see this right here. That lady right there, that widow, she gave more than anybody in the whole house tonight. Wow. Because she gave all she had. Extravagant. You want to talk about the greatest, most extravagant gift of all time ever giving? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his only son for you and for me so we could have eternal life. That is extravagant. He went through a horrible, painful death to pay for our sins, to pay for yours, because money, writing a check, doesn't take away any sins. Just want you to know that. It was only his son dying on the cross. Extravagant. You want to talk about another extravagant thing? You said, but Ronnie, I, if I do something like that, there's no way I'm going to make this. I can't make it right now. We're, on, we're just trying to make ends meet right now. Hey, you need to know this. God is your source and your provider of everything. Bible goes on and says, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, he says, and God, still talking about this generous gift that they're giving the people at Jerusalem, the believers in Jerusalem, he said, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He says, hey, I'm your source. And, and people get this wrong all the time thinking that they're their source. And I, I've had people say, well, I, I built my company from the ground up. I built it from the ground up. I, I am a self-made man. What I have, I did it. I built it. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. God did that. Don't believe me? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 and 18 says, You may say to yourself that my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Verse 18, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant which He swore to your ancestors as it is today. God is your source. Not your boss, not your spouse, not the government. God is your source. Period. He gave you the very breath that you breathe to get up and go to work every day. 
God did that. You didn't. God's your source. The Bible says in Psalms 24:1, the earth is whose? The Lord's. And everything in it, the world and all who live in it. See, but Ronnie, okay, so what, why, why do I need to be a generous giver? What's the big deal? Why do I need to do that? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 12, he goes on and says, Paul, talking about this gift to the church at Jerusalem, he says this, this service that you perform, giving this gift to these folks, is not only it's supplying the needs of the Lord's people, so in other words, they're going to be able to eat. They're going to be able to take care of their families and stuff. He said, but also it's overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So people are going to thank God because of this gift that they're giving the people in Jerusalem. So it's supplying their needs, they're thanking God, and he says this, verse 13, and because of this service by which you proved yourself, others will praise God. So not only will they thank God, they'll praise God, their needs will be met, and here it is, ready? He says, they will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And let me tell you something. I don't know if you caught that, but the gospel has to accompany the gift. So he's saying this. Um, this money that you're providing, the gospel has to accompany it, and people will be saved as a result of it, this gift that you're giving. Their needs are going to be met. All this stuff's going to happen. People are going to praise God, thank God, because of your generous gift. Listen, when we, our ministry, when we go to Nicaragua or somewhere like that, and we go tell people about Jesus, um, a lot of times, you know, it costs people $2,500 to go on a mission trip like that. Because you're talking about airfare, hotel, meals, translators, transportation, all that kind of stuff. And we'll get on a plane. We'll have about 40 or 50 people on our team. We'll get on a plane. We'll go down there, and we'll do area-wide crusade. Uh, sometimes we've done medical missions and stuff like that. But I'm going to tell you this. Every single thing that we do, the gospel is presented. We do not go to Nicaragua. And there are people, there, there will be a load of people on a plane. And there'll be a bunch of them that'll go down there, and they're going down there to paint. Paint a church, paint a school, something like that. Hey, let me just tell you this, okay? Think about this. Th think about this, how you're being a good steward and be a good steward of God's money. So if we go down to Nicaragua, all right, which is one of the poorest countries in, in the world, you go down there, and you go down there to paint a school. One of my team members is spending $2,500 to go down to Nicaragua to paint a school. Instead of my person on the mission team going down there paying that money, $2,500, you know what I could do? I said, hey, instead of doing that, give me $2,500, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to hire about five families and pay them. It'll pay for their whole year of salary to paint that thing. Do y'all understand what I'm talking about? Because they make for a whole year anywhere from $500 to $800. And that's little kids in the family working, going and getting sticks out of the woods, bringing them back, selling them, all that kind of I'm talking about anything that we do when we go over there. If we do a medical mission team, guess what? When they sit in a dentist chair, before they sit in that dentist chair, they're going to hear about Jesus before they sit there. Everything that we do is to tell people about Jesus. The gospel has to accompany the gift. The Bible says in Psalm 67, 1 and verse 2, it says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Why, why should God bless us? Why should his face shine on us? Why should he do that? Verse 2, so that your ways may be known on earth, 
your salvation among all nations. And let me tell you something, folks. We are a wealthy country. We are wealthy people. We have a lot of money. And we have money so that the world will know about Jesus. That's why we have money. And that's what this church, listen, you might be saying, well, I can't go out there and I can't hop from, you know, country to country going telling people about Jesus. By the way, yes, you can. And we were talking about this today. I was running a marathon in Cocoa Beach, Florida about five years ago, and there was a lady passing me that was 85 years old. And she's run over 100 marathons. So don't give me an excuse. Yes, you can. You can go do that. But if you've got a medical condition and you can't go, guess what? This church can be a hub for sending money out, sending missionaries out, getting the gospel out all over the world. Do you realize what would take place if everybody in this church that was a Christian just tithe? I'm not even talking about giving over and above. I'm talking about just tithe. Do you realize that what we could do? Do you realize if churches like you all over the country quit stealing from God and started tithing, just tithing, do you realize how, what kind of impact that we would have on the kingdom? It, it would not be dominated, the TV would not be dominated by the junk that you see on TV. We would have enough money that we could get the gospel in every commercial, all kinds of stuff, I mean, saturating the internet, social media, gospel, doing every single disaster that happens. Christians, first ones on the site, I mean, not just what I'm talking about, inundate the whole area with believers providing food, stuff to tell people about Jesus. We could make a huge impact for the kingdom of God. But you want me to tell you what I see? I'm not kidding. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. I told y'all I travel all the time. I'm in like a different state. Last week I was in Ohio. This week I'm here. Next week I'm in Oklahoma City. Or this week I'm in Oklahoma City. And then Houston right there. Everywhere I go, do you know what I see? I'm, I'm not kidding. And you probably have seen this before. I'll pull up in a Walmart parking lot. And I'll see sitting right out front of Walmart parking lot. I'll see a church youth group. And they'll be sitting at a table. Selling baked cookies. And they're selling on the poster in front of the table. Saying raising money to go on a mission trip overseas. Or, or they'll be doing a car wash out there to raise money so the youth and the youth group from that church can go on a mission trip. Do you want me to tell you what that shows? Every single church that's doing that, that is a black eye to that church. Because here's what it's saying. It's saying this. Hey world, hey everybody's showing up here today at Walmart. Listen, see this church right here, the name on this sign right here, y'all see that? Hey, guess what? The people at our church, they're a bunch of thieves. They steal from God, they rob from God. So we don't have enough money to send our youth on a mission trip overseas. So we're trying to get you lost people that don't know anything about Jesus. We're trying to get you to pay for that thing because our people won't even do it. That's got to stop. That has to stop. You say, well, Ronnie... I can't do it. I can't tithe. Because we cannot make it. If I start tithing, we, we, we can't. You're talking about doing, being a generous giver over and above. I, I can't even tithe right now. I, I can't. I, I'm too broke right now. I can't do it. Hey, listen. If you don't hear anything else I say the entire week, you hear this right here. You ready? You can, you know, filter out everything else. You better hear this right now. Listen to this. 
if you're telling me you're too broke to tithe, just tithe. I'm going to tell you right now. You can write it down, take it to the bank. You are always going to be broke. That's what's going to happen. You say, oh, no, Ronnie, uh-uh. If I could just win the lottery, then I'd be good. I, I could start tithing then. I, I, w- I would really, Ronnie, if I could win the lottery, I would tithe. I would be a generous giver. I would start giving to God. And I, No, you wouldn't. You would not. I'm just going to save you some, some worrying about it, some stress about it, and you trying to think and you know, make a deal with God and stuff. I'm telling you right now, if you don't tithe right now, you will not tithe if you win a million dollars. You want me to tell you why? Because you couldn't handle it. No, no you really couldn't. You, you may break it down for you how that was to go. Y'all ready for this? If you won the lottery and won one million dollars, do you know how much Uncle Sam gets of that? Forty percent. Forty. You know what that is? $400,000. So now you're down to $600,000. Okay? The tithe of a million, just tithe, not over and above, just tithe. 10% off the top, $100,000. You writing a check to the church for $100,000. Your hand would not let you do that. You would be like, oh, no, that, that's a car. I could, do any, I could go on a trip around the world with that. There's no way I could do that. 100000 for that. Now you're down to 500000 You know what you're sitting there thinking? You're thinking, I couldn't live on that. Oh, yeah. I know that's what you're thinking. I could. You know how I know that's what you're thinking? Because here's what Jesus addressed that very issue. You know what Jesus said? Here's what Jesus said. Because see, this is not me saying it. Jesus said it. He said in Luke 16.10, He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. You couldn't handle it. There's no way. So if you're too broke now, you're going to be broke the rest of your life if you don't tithe now. I have been writing checks since I was eight years old, and I have no problem writing 10, 15% off the top, over and above, to God, because that's, first of all, the 10%, that's his, over and above, that's me, me saying, God, thank you, I love you. You say, oh, you're just making this stuff up, you don't do that, blah, blah. Okay, I don't like telling this story, because I, I, I'm, you know, wonder sometimes where they, they think I'm, you know, bragging about this. And th- this is not, I'm just telling you, I know. I know God is faithful, and I know I've tested him, and he's come through. And you cannot outgive God. So our ministry, we want to tell people about Jesus. So you know what we did one year? We did this, end up doing it three years in a row. And so what we did was, I started a ministry, um, or not a ministry, a website called 3minutestory.com. And people could go on my website, 3 listen to me share my testimony for three minutes. And if they do that, of course, I'd give them a chance to pray, receive Christ, and all that kind of stuff. But if they did that, they would get a free chance to win a brand new car. Brand new car. Three, I had three different cars to choose from, a Dodge, a uh, truck, a uh, Chrysler 300, or a Jeep. 
Okay, one of those three choices. And on top of that, what I did was, I let every church I can know about, hey, if y'all use this, y'all can take this to your fair. Y'all can take this wherever you want to, your trunk or treat deal. And you can use it out there as an outreach thing. And you just have your members share their testimony. And somebody wants to have a chance to win, they can go to our website. Uh, they can, uh, you take all that information, we'll put it in our website for the drawing. If somebody wins from your area, we'll buy the truck. So we did that. First year, we had 6,000 people saved. Second year, 7,000. We just kept on doing that. And so we did that, gave away three cars. Three cars totaling brand new. Uh, it was about $42,000 at the time for those three cars. I had two buddies of mine at the end of those three years. They said, hey, we, we want to go to the car show in California because they like this, this car show. And I said, man, I don't have the money for that. I'm not, I'm not going with that. They said, well, come on, we'll, we'll pay for your plane ticket. And on, on top of that, you can just stay in a hotel with us, so it won't cost you nothing. And I said, okay. So basically, they wanted me to go because I was like the entertainment because neither one of them talked. They were just totally quiet. So I was the only one that talked and you know, kept the ice broke. So we go. We get there to Pebble Beach, California. Get to Pebble Beach. And they had all these car shows, uh, all these cars there. And so the very first one was this big, huge tent, and it was Infinity. Infinity had all their cars, uh, brand new, white ones sitting right there in a row, all different kinds. So they had a deal was, if you got in one of those cars and test drove it for 10 minutes, you had a free chance to win one of those cars. I told them, I said, hey, I'm going to get one of these cars, I'm going to test it. They go, man, we don't have time. we got to beat the crowd. we got to go on down there. I said, y'all going down there? I'm, I'm going to test drive one of these cars. They go, fine. So I said, well, Y'all hold my glass of tea? Yeah, we'll hold your glass of tea. So, so they're sitting there holding my glass of tea. I get in the car, and I pray, Lord, your word says we have not because we ask not. So God, if you want to give me this car, great. If you don't, I'm fine with that. Whatever gets you more glory and more honor. Test drove the car 10 minutes. Went back, got out of the car, they had thrown my tea away. I, we go start walking all the different, uh, the 8th hole, the ninth hole, 10th hole. Get down to the 18th hole, see all the cars. There are thousands of people around the 18th hole. Jay Leno is supposed to pull my ticket at 5 o'clock. He's pulling the winning ticket. So we're sitting there, I go, hey, Jay's, Jay's about to pull the ticket here in about an hour. There he is right down there with cameras and all that kind of stuff. They said, hey, we got to go. We got to beat the crowd. I said, man, come on, we don't need to beat the crowd. It's the, the, we got to beat the crowd, let's go. So we leave, we go to the restaurant. I was upset about it, but you didn't have to be present to win, so I was okay. So we get to the restaurant. I take my phone out, put it on the table. It's 5 o'clock. They start giving me a hard time. Hey, did, did Jay call you? Did, did you win the car? Did, did, did Jay call you? I go, shut up. So five minutes go by, and they said, hey, you know, maybe because we're in California, you're not getting good reception. Maybe you need to go outside, hold your phone up, stuff like that. I go, whatever, y'all, just leave me alone. So, 5 o'clock rolls around, no Jay Leno, no call. So I go home. A week later, I get this phone call. This lady says, are you Ronnie Hill? I said, yes, I am. She said, uh, you just want a brand new car. Now, y'all have to understand something. I have given away three brand new cars. So I'm the one that's on the line always trying to convince the other person that they won. And they never believe me, you know. I hate my second car that I gave away, no joke. The lady hung up on me, didn't believe me, said, don't call back. I'm like, well, you're the one that entered the deal. I didn't do, you did this. Don't call back. Click, hung up. So I called my lawyer, and I said, hey, the lady hung up on me. What do I do? He said, go to your alternate winner. I said, okay. So I go to the alternate winner. They won the car. So she said, you won the car. I said, what are you talking about? She said, We're, the car, the Infinity. You won the brand new Infinity. I said, 
She said, were you in California two weeks ago? I said, yeah. She said, you won that car. I said, no, I was there. I said, Jay's supposed to call me. He didn't call me. She goes, no, let me tell you what happened. She said, um, he pulled your ticket out. You weren't there, so he started goofing around the crowd. And he totally forgot, stuck your ticket in his coat pocket. She said, I just got off the phone with Jay Leno. He gave me your information. You won the car. I said, no way. She goes, yeah. So I had a brand new $50,000 Infinity Sports car. So we don't need that for our family. So I said to my wife, we had a Yukon that was like had 150,000 miles on it, and we had been wanting to buy one, a new one, but we said, well, we can't afford it. We'll just wait. So I said, honey, we got this. So I took my brand new Infinity. I took it to the dealership. I gave them the sports car. I gave them my wife's Yukon, and we walked out with a brand new QX56 SUV for my wife, and I didn't spend one dime. I'm here to tell you, God blesses the tithe and the offering. No doubt about it. You can say whatever you want to. I have tested him over and over and over again. He said, but Ronnie, I don't have that kind of money to do stuff like, listen, one of my friends that's a board member, his dad got saved at the area-wide crusade in the football stadium. So his dad started doing evangelistic outreaches and stuff. When he died, he left money and set it aside for a board. And so the only thing that they use that money for is for evangelistic purposes. And I'm like, man, I want to do that. But his dad's like, he was a millionaire, and, you know, he had money and stuff. And I'm like, I, I, but I don't have that money to do that. I want to do that. So you know what I did? I, I just, God gave me this idea. So what I did was, uh, I want to make an impact for the kingdom. I went out and bought another life insurance policy on myself. So I had one for my wife and my son. So if I die, they're taken care of. But I bought another one that... If I die, it goes to the ministry. So whether I'm here or not, the ministry gets $500,000 and keep telling people about Jesus, whether I'm on this planet or not. And it only costs me $400 a year. We can do stuff like that. We need to start as a church, as believers, start thinking outside the box. What can we do to reach more people? Listen, we're giving you an incredible opportunity this week with the steak night. You just go back there after church is over with. There'll be somebody back there, a lady back there, selling steak tickets. You go buy a steak ticket for $3. You go to your friend say, hey, uh, we're having steak at our church Wednesday night. I bought this ticket for you. I want you to come be my guest. You get them here. They're going to hear the gospel. Their lives can be saved, changed forever. $3. You're, you're at a fast food restaurant, McDonald's. Pay for the person behind you. Say, hey, whatever was the order right there? Give, give me the ticket. Hey, here's a track. Billy Graham says a piece of God track. Y'all got a bunch of those? Give you, let me give you a Billy Graham says a piece of God track. Give it to that person behind them. Tell them Jesus loves them, and so do we at Broadway Baptist Church. How, how simple is that to keep making an impact for the kingdom of God? Don't tell me because, well, I can't do it. I can't get out. I can't do this. Yes, you can. You get out. You eat. You do stuff. But we can make an impact for the kingdom. Why? So people can be saved, lives can be changed, so his ways may be known on the earth. That's why we have money. You want your family to be blessed? It starts off the top, 10% going to the house. It's his money. It's not ours. And then you give over and above, and you watch how God will throw open the floodgates of heaven on you and your family. I know he's done it for me, and he can do it for you. I just want you to be blessed. You say, how? You can start by tithing on a regular basis and when offering plates come by. And, hey, I don't know. Do y'all have the, um, on the text give or even the church website how you give? 
Can you throw that up real quick where you do that? Let me tell you something else too. Because I told you I'm on the road uh, before COVID 40 weeks a year. So you know what a bunch of you do? I know that you do this. A bunch of you think just because you're out of town, you're on vacation, you're seeing family, you're doing this, you're doing whatever, that you don't, you don't need to tithe. You think, oh, I don't need, we're not there. Listen, you're not paying for entertainment when you show up and you tithe. I don't know if you know that or not. You're not paying for it. That's God's money. So if I thought like you, do you know what that means? I'd only have to tithe like 10 weeks a year, 12 weeks a year. I'd be really good, getting good at that, right? But you want me to tell you what I do? Now, I don't care what state I'm in. I don't care where I'm at. Before I leave town, my tithe check is gone. It's not my house. It's in the mailbox. It's out. And the reason why I do it like that, why I mail a check, is because I don't ever know how much is coming in and how much is going. You might be like that. You might be a realtor, and you work on commission, and you don't know. If you've got a straight salary, and you know what you're getting every, every top of the month or every two weeks, I'm going to tell you what's really easy to do. Go throw up there... Uh, because we, a bunch of people don't text. Don't do the, um, also your website, church website. You got that? Can you throw your church website up there? Can I see it? Junior? I just threw him a curveball. He wasn't even expecting that. Right? But, but you can go to the church website, and, and Junior will have it. No, that's season of prayer. We need to pray. We still need to pray, though. But, um, but on the church website, is it top right corner? is uh, select drop down button and it says give online can you give like um, and by the way pastor didn't tell me to preach this message just so you know that I wanted to preach it because I wanted your family to be blessed um, can they give like on a, a reoccurring gift so you can go online set it up if you know what you're you know every week you're getting this amount of money or every month you're getting this amount go on there on the church website set it up done and you know whether you're in town or not it's taken care of because that's God's. You can do that. Some of you go, man, Ronnie, I owe God a ton of money. You know what? He forgives. I don't care how much you've stolen from him, how much you've robbed him. I want you to know this. The word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is good news. So you know what you can do? You can start right now, right here tonight. And I, I'm not telling you what to do. You can do whatever, however you want to. Because it's, it's between you and God. You know, we're not going to go run and look at the books and see, well, is that person tithing? Is that person tithing? We're not doing that. That's between you and God. God will find out. Hey, God will get his money. Do, do you realize that God doesn't need you to carry on his kingdom anyway? He'll do it with or without you. So you can get on board and be blessed and, and see the impact of the kingdom of God grow. Or you can be selfish and hoard it, and it's going to cost you, and it's going to cost your family. It's your, your choice. But I'm going to tell you what, I don't know. Do y'all have envelopes in the back of the pews? You can take one of them envelopes, and you say, well, you know what, Ronnie? I don't even have the money tonight, but I feel led. I need to, I need to give to God. So I'm going to write an IOU to God. You can do that. You can take one of them envelopes, write your name on it. Write an IOU, say, God, I'm giving this to you. We're not going to come to you, check you out, see if you did it or not. That's between you and God, but you can do that. And I don't even know, is there a place that they can put it at the back or something like that? Okay, are they offering boxes or something? Where are they, just so I know? In the Welcome Center? So right out the back, right there somewhere. What color are the boxes? What, they're black, and they're just hanging on the wall? They're sitting on the desk. Sitting on the desk. 
up there in the back where people are going to be selling steak tickets, okay? They're back there. So you can go do that and drop that IOU. Just say, God, this is my commitment to you. I made that commitment when I was 21 years old to give over and above, and I have never regretted it. And God has always taken care of us, and he do the same for you. But some of you are sitting there going, Ronnie, I didn't know God cares about me and God loves me. I thought he just wanted me to give that money just because, you know, church, they're, they're crooks anyway and all that. Listen, I'm telling you, he wants you to willingly give it to him. Not because you have to, but because you get to. I get to give back to God. And it's like a, it's kind of like a fun thing that I have with God. It's like, like God, okay, I'm, I'm going to do a really good offering today to you. You know, I'm going to bless you. And God's like, you kid, what are you talking about? I own everything. And then, boom, he'd do something like give me that car that he did. It's like, he's like, put it in my face. Like, who, who do you really think you are that you're going to give me something? That's how good God is, is that he blesses us and takes care of us. He wants to do the same thing for you. But you feel like, no, God, God doesn't care about me. Yes, he does. God loves you. He gave the best gift of all, his son, Jesus, down on the cross for your sins. And if you're willing tonight, because it's not about the money, it's about the heart. And if you're willing tonight to say, God, you know what? I have sinned against you. And God, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And, and I want to turn from my sins. And I want to invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, and my Savior. If you do that, he'll save and he'll change your life. Because he gave the ultimate gift for you so you could have a relationship with him. And if you don't have that, you can tonight. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. If you would, just for a couple minutes, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one get up, no one leave, just give me two minutes. If you say, Ronnie, I have never accepted this free gift of eternal life that God has given me. I, I, I've never done that, and I want to. I want a relationship with him. I've been mad at him, but I, I, I don't want that anymore. I want a relationship with God. I realize that he loves me, that he cares about me. If that's you, and you want that relationship with him, then right where you're seated, you pray this prayer with me right now, and you invite him to come into your life. If you've never done this before, pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I've messed up. And I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And God, I turn from my sins. And I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. And thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you, call you out. I just want to pray for you. If you're here tonight, you say, Ronnie, for the first time in my life, I, I understood that God loves me and cares about me, and I, and I just committed my life to him. I gave my life to him right now. If you just did that, I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you or anything like that. I just want to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer with me, would just those of you that prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me right now and let me catch your eyes? Say, Ron, that's me. Okay, got you, buddy. Yes, sir. Anybody else? Say, Ron, that's me. I prayed that prayer. I invited Jesus to come out. Okay, in the back. Anybody else over here on this side? You pray that prayer. Just look up at me. Let me catch your eyes. Anyone else? Over here on this side, this section. You prayed that prayer. Over here on this side. Okay. Would just those of you that prayed that prayer just keep looking up at me just for a second? Everybody else's heads bowed and eyes closed. Just those that prayed that prayer. I want you to know this. 
According to what the Bible says, God gave his only son for you, and he loves you. Died on the cross for you, and all he wants you to do is take a stand for him. So in just a minute, we're going to be standing right down here. You come to one of us, and all you have to say is, hey, pastor, hey, Ronnie, I prayed that prayer. And you say, what are we going to do? We're going to introduce to a person called an encourager. They're going to take you right to the side. They're going to pray with you. They're going to give you some material. And we want to celebrate what God's done in your life. We're excited for you. Now, for those of you, you say, Ronnie, um, man, I have not been tithing. Or maybe you're here and you say, Ronnie, I have been tithing, but it's never hit me. I've never, God's never spoke to me about it until tonight about tithes and offerings. And Ronnie, we want to step out on faith. We want to commit to start doing that. Or maybe you're here and you say, Ronnie, I just want to start committing to tithing because I've never done even that. If that's you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Ronnie, would you pray for me? Because I really, I want to commit to that, but man, I am scared to death. I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to you know, make it. But I, I, want, I want to be faithful to God. I want to obey Him. If that's you, with heads bowed and eyes closed, and you would like for me to pray for you, that God will provide for you, take care of you, show you exactly what to do, what, what, to, what He's stepping, getting you to step out on faith to do, if that's you with heads bowed and eyes closed, and you would like for me to pray for you about that decision, would you look up at me right now and let me catch your eyes? Say, why don't you pray? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. That's the section right here in the back. Okay. Over here. Yes, sir. Got you, sweetie. Over here in this section right here. Yes, sir. Over here. This far side. Say, Ronnie, that's me. Okay. So those of you who looked up, I'm going to tell you this. God is your source. He is your provider. And he says he will provide abundantly for everything that you need. I'm going to pray that God will provide jobs, raises, bonuses, checks in the mail. I don't care. I don't know how it's going to come, but I'm going to pray for God to provide because he can do whatever he wants to, however he wants to do it. And I'm going to pray that happens for you and your family. Can you do me a favor right now? Can we all please stand now with heads bowed and eyes closed? And can uh, be, where's our worship team? Where's he at? Come on, man. As soon as I say amen, he's going to sing. Pastor's going to be standing right here. I'll be standing right over here. Uh, Brother David, would you stand? He's going to be right there. If you pray that prayer, you come to one of us. If you say, Ronnie, I, man, I need somebody to pray because I'm scared to death about this situation. I, I don't know how we're going to make it, but I know I want to be faithful to God. I want to do what he tells me to do. And if you're hearing God spoke to you about joining this church this morning, you need to step out and come. Don't put it off anymore. You need to get involved and get plugged in. Start using your gifts that God's given you. You come as well. So pastor's here. I'll be right here. When I say amen, you step out and come. Can we pray now with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, thank you uh, for speaking to hearts tonight. I pray, God, that you would provide for them and their families. I pray, God, that you just throw a windfall out on them. Bless them, Lord. And I pray for those that have given their heart to you tonight. You'll give them the courage to come. And for those that need to join this church, God, that they'll get plugged into the body of Christ. Speak to them right now. Give them courage to obey you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As he sings, you come on. We're down here right now. You step out and obey God. Counselors, come help us, please. No